Welcome to Elite Team Athletics Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Cognitorian. Got my guy Q in here, but more importantly, we have a special guest with us today. Five Eyewitness News and Score North contributor and host, Darren Doogie Wolfson, is with us today. How's it going, Doog? Doing okay, Kyle. Q, thanks for having me. You said special guest, Kyle. Like, I wanted to start looking over my shoulder. Like, I was thinking maybe somebody else from our newsroom would become walking in here, strolling in here. I'm not special, trust me. Far from it. Hey, man, you're the one with all the ins and outs. With all of Minnesota sports, you're a big deal to me. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. I try. I do my best. Well, let's get right into it. Our listeners have quite a few questions for you. Uh, first and foremost, Wolves, do you have any info on the supposed D-book trade? I don't foresee the Phoenix Suns, Kyle, trading Devin Booker. I really don't, especially after they just went 8-0. and It's unfortunate that they don't have a chance to play in that 8-9 play-in type scenario to ultimately make the playoffs. I don't see it. I can tell you those in Phoenix, there's a talk show host in Phoenix that I've become a little bit friendly with. He is very tight with Sun's ownership. He breaks a lot of Sun stories in the Phoenix market, Kyle. He doesn't foresee Devin Booker going anywhere anytime soon. I don't ever want to say never say never. Gerson Rosas is always going to go star hunting, star chasing. He is still looking for a third star. He will make the phone calls. I promise you on that. But when it comes to D book, I just don't see it. I see Devin Booker as a Phoenix Sun next season. Oh, that's terrible news. I was really excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> don't try. I mean, that's that's D-Lo's guy. That's Cat's guy. There's no denying that. Trust me. The bond among those three is legit. It's real. But I just don't see why Phoenix, when Booker has multiple years left in his contract, why do they need to trade him? And let's just say he demands a trade. I don't think that's happening, but let's just say he demands a trade. Why the heck do they need to trade him here? And don't get me wrong. Anthony Davis got his way, right? New Orleans to the Lakers. But guess what? The Lakers gave up one heck of a package. I just think if Devin Booker ultimately ends up on the trade block, there's going to be another team that can offer more than the Wolves. The Wolves are not offering Cat. They're not offering D'Lo. So what would the Wolves legitimately offer that would entice the Suns more so than some other franchise. So I just, I'm telling you, I'm sorry. I just don't see it. You know, do you have any insight on these Beasley signing negotiations? He's been in town, you know, at different points throughout this. I don't know. Do you want to call it the off season, the summer? He was shooting over at McAllister for a little bit. He had a connection over there. So he was getting some shots up in the McAllister gym. He's been over at Mayo Clinic Square. You know, he's trying to establish a home base here in the Twin Cities. I think it's going to happen. I don't know what the numbers ultimately will look like. If it's, you know, three years, whatever it might end up being, $45 million. You know, is the Will Barton contract in Denver a decent comp? What is that, four years, 52-ish million? I can't tell you right now, Kyle, what the numbers will look like, but the Wolves will have many conversations with Malik's agent, Rich Paul, who also represents LeBron and Anthony Davis and all those guys. He's a restricted free agent, so the Wolves can always, if it came down to it, match any sort of offer sheet. I think Malik is here next season. I think the Wolves and Malik get a deal done before Malik would sign an offer sheet with another team. Plus, Kyle, if you look at the teams that have salary cap space, there's not many. Find me one where you would say, okay, that team is absolutely going to sign Malik Beasley. Like, I can just tell you, now the Pistons have a new GM, so maybe that changes things. They got Weaver from Oklahoma City, but, like, I don't think Ed Stefanski is a huge fan of, of Malik Beasley. I just don't. 
I don't think Tibbs in New York now with Leon Rose is like yearning to acquire Malik Beasley. He has fans in the league, don't get me wrong. Atlanta, Charlotte, look at Charlotte, right? Like Charlotte has an undersized backcourt. Why would they sign Malik Beasley to an offer sheet, right? When you've got Graham off the ball, like Beasley is not a fit in Charlotte. So if you look at the teams with salary cap space, Kyle, I just don't see the match with Malik Beasley. I like that news too. That's great news. The uh, the other big one that everybody's asking on the Wolves end, is there any updates on possible new owners? And everybody keeps saying they want KG. Is is that still in the mix? What's going on there? Yeah, I mean, KG, yeah, I mean, KG wants to own the Wolves. He's got Jimmy Jam and Terry Harris and some other people, you know, some money people, not the Jimmy Jam. Now, Jimmy's got money, don't get me wrong, but Jimmy doesn't have, like, stupid, ridiculous majority owner of an NBA team type money, but KG's got some other guys. Charlie Walters, the pioneer press noted that KG's got some guys in Florida and California. I'd heard even potentially China. So KG's got some guys, but like if I had to make betting lines, Kyle, I would not make the KG group, the betting favorite. I might make the Daniel E. Strauss group, the betting favorite. He's the former limited owner of the Memphis Grizzlies. Robert Perra ultimately bought him out, but he's this, medical tycoon out in new york city mid 60s he wants to own an nba team like that would be a name in a group that i would keep an eye on i wouldn't sleep on the wilfs i just wouldn't i don't think there's active dialogue going on between glenn taylor and the will family but like i wouldn't sleep on the wilfs as long as as a transaction hasn't taken place i was told kyle that there was an exclusive negotiating window that's still going but that was set to expire at some point here in August. Somebody had told me even keep an eye on August 15th, which would be tomorrow, tomorrow, right? I'm looking at my computer. Today's the 14th. I'm losing track of dates, but yeah, like tomorrow. So there's the potential of this exclusive negotiating window ending tomorrow. Maybe it's the end of the month. I was told sometime in August. And I think that's the Strauss group. I think it's the Strauss group that has these exclusive negotiating rights, but undoubtedly Kyle, there's, there's some groups that, that are not out there. You know, some groups have been reported, but I can guarantee you there's two or three or four groups that I don't know of that, that at this point nobody knows of. So I guess I wouldn't be shocked if in the end maybe it's a group that we just haven't heard of. But I think it's when, not if. Like, a lot of Wolves fans have been asking me, Kyle, like, is Glenn Taylor really going to pull the trigger? Is he really going to sell the Wolves? Yes, I really am convinced this time, more so than ever before, as he's 79 years old, he is ready to pull the trigger on a transaction. That's incredible. Um, do you know who the Wolves are eyeing in the draft? They like the ball kid, you know, but is dad going to try to steer him to New York? Is dad going to be a pain in the ass? You know, like what takes place next Thursday? I mean, I think there are Anthony Edwards fans at Mayo Clinic Square. I also think there's some fans of if they end up with the number one pick. Now, that might be laughable, right? Like the Wolves mm-hmm. have never moved up in their in their history right although i guess they technically have the same percent chance as golden the, state and, yeah and yeah and who's the other team is it cleveland or i, I forget who the, the third i forget team it. Is. it i know that we have the, the we're third though. like we're in third place but we all have the same chance yeah but like the cat year technically mm-hmm. they were supposed to get the first pick they got the first pick so they've maintained their position so maybe they maintain their position here tied but maintain their position end up with the number one pick i just know that that they're going to shop that pick or the rights to that player that they are open-minded if they can acquire. And this is where we go back to Rosas wanting to go star hunting, star chasing. Like I would not dismiss that possibility 
of them, you know, moving, whether it's that number one pick or if they end up at pick three or pick six or God forbid, pick seven, you know, but like they have three picks in the top 33, right? I don't foresee any scenario where they bring in three rookies next year. I just don't. So I think something's going to happen with one of those three picks. Well, can't they take the the Brooklyn Nets pick and their pick? So say say the stars align and we get the number one overall pick and the Nets pick's going to fall between 15 and what, 17? 15, yeah, and it won't be 17? 15. It'll be 16 or 17. Yeah. Okay, 16 or 17. Technically, you can package that pick since it's not theirs, right? You can do two as long as it's not back-to-back picks of your own picks. Yeah, right? because it's the step-in rule. And, and there are different ways around that too, like where you could select the player – then trade the rights to that player. There are ways around it. But so what you're getting at is taking that Nets pick and that first pick mm-hmm. and combining those two to bring back some sort of really good player. Is that what you're alluding to? That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping you can tell me some stars that might be in that stratosphere. Here's the issue though, Kyle. Like I don't know a lot of front offices that are in love with this draft. I yeah. think they feel like there's some depth. Like, you know, like I'm biased, but like, I think Zeke Naji has a pretty bright future. I don't know if he'll ever be an all-star, but like the kid from Hopkins high school, I think he's going to be a long time pro. And you might be able to get Zeke in the mid to late twenties or early thirties. Maybe the Wolves could get Zeke at pick 33. Like, I don't know if there's much difference between pick 16 and pick 33. Mm -hmm. There's just, it's, it's a lot of comparable guys. There's going to be guys that stick in the league for a while, but I just I don't get the sense from at least a few teams I've texted with where teams are like drooling about the possibility of of landing a pick or multiple picks or salivating over certain players. Like there's not there's not a lot of lust for guys. But like I'll give you one nugget though. Like the Houston Rockets don't have a pick right now. The Rockets interviewed Najee. I'm told they've done a bunch of homework on Daniel Oturu, local kid, former mm-hmm. gopher. Like those would be great know. spots for both of them. I'm sort of thinking, like, this is a little bit of speculation, but hopefully your listeners will like this. Like, what about the possibility of the Wolves, you know, working out some sort of trade? The Nets pick ends up in Houston's hands, and I don't know what the Wolves would get. I mean, keep in mind, with the D'Lo trade, the Wolves have, what is it, a top three protected 2021 first-round pick, but there's a decent chance the Wolves could end up moving their 2021 first-round pick to Golden State, like, would you trade that Nets pick for a first-round pick next year where, you know, you talk to enough people, Kyle, next year's draft is better than this year's draft. Like, if you just look at all the high school seniors, those kids that can be one-and-dones, like, next year's draft is better than this year's draft. So would it make some sense for the Wolves to trade that Nets pick for a future first, a first in next year's draft? Probably a very smart move. I like that idea a lot. Well, should we transition to some Vikes news? Yeah, whatever you got, Q, whatever you got, too. Chime in. Yeah, please. So I wanted to jump in and kind of take it back a little bit. Where did you get the nickname Doogie? Holy cow, Q, you're you're (laughs) dating me here. So (laughs) sadly, I just turned 40 earlier this year. So I'm 40 years old. It's it's painful for me to even say those words. But uh, so in 1996... So go back, what is that, 24 years, 23 years? I was three. Yeah, great. (laughs) So I was 16, and I was like you. I was finger painting at that time. You know, I was was 16 age-wise, but maturity-wise, I was 
I was three years old. So I started at K-Fan, which is now a juggernaut. I mean, K-Fan is just blowing up here in town, KFAN. And I did a mentorship there with a guy by the name of Eric Webster. And Chad Abbott was there. He's now the program director of KFAN. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the names you know with that radio station are still there. Barrero, you know, Dan Cole, uh, some others. Uh, you know, Justin Gard came soon thereafter. A bunch of guys came soon thereafter. But kind of in that, in that you know, realm of time, uh, and Sam Sigelman was the producer of the Chad and Barrero show. So it was Eric Webster who gave me the nickname because Doogie Hauser MD was a popular TV show at the time. It was more in syndication, but it was a popular show in the mid nineties. Doogie Hauser was this, this brainiac, prodigy, this brainiac who graduated college when he was like 12 years old. And next thing you know, he's, he's a doctor when he's 15 or 16 years old. The only thing I would say Q is like, if I was any sort of child prodigy, do you think I would have gone this route? Like I'd be a doctor. I'd be an attorney. Like I wouldn't be doing TV and radio and working some, some stupid hours. And, you know, I mean, I love sports. Don't get me wrong, but like, I would do like sports on the side, you know, do what you guys are doing now, you know, write a blog or something. And I'd be a doctor. I'd be do, doing something else. So, you know, the nickname is kind of funny, but it's stuck. But like when I'm 40 years old, I don't know if I can still be Doogie. Like at some point, the nickname just needs to go. It needs to go away. But if people want to still call me it, fine. Heck, as long as they don't call me what Sid Hartman calls me, which is a bad word that begins with an A, all is fine. <laughs> yeah, I feel like if the vast majority uh, knows you by that nickname, it kind of has to stick. Yeah, that's fine. It trust me, Q. <laughs> it could be a lot worse. So. Oh yeah, that's for fine. sure. Ro let's roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> you got any others, Q? Nah, keep it rolling. All right, so the first and foremost, I want to talk about uh, we let Everson Griffin slip through our hands. He went and reunited with George Edwards over in the Cowboys. Yeah, I know you love the Cowboys, Q. Um, what happened? Did we just undersell him? What, what, what happened there? All right, so let's go sequentially. So let's go back to, what was it? Officially, I guess it would have been early March where Everson made the decision to opt out of his contract to elect free agency, which made sense because he then had the power because if you looked at what his current, his cap number would have been Kyle for this year, it would have been eight, the Vikings right? would have made a move. Yeah. It would have been higher than that. They, they would have cut him. So okay. he controlled the situation, you know, but then COVID hits and the world turns upside down. And a lot of teams wanted to bring him in for a visit, you know, just to make sure that mentally he was in the right spot. And so the market really didn't develop there like it did for other free agents in early March. But at that point, when the Vikings, you know, looked at the situation and Everson chose to be an unrestricted free agent, Kyle, I'm telling you, the Vikings at that time decided, we're okay. Like, thank you for the 10 years of service. You know, we're indebted to you. You're indebted to us in many different ways. Like, yeah. if you're the Vikings, you know where the skeletons are buried yep. when it comes to Everson Griffin. You know everything about Everson, good and bad. Yeah. And going back to 2018, there was definitely some bad, but they really helped him rehab his his image really his life like helping him just you know like get his marriage back to a good spot getting his family life back to a good spot but the vikings made the decision then we're moving on we're cool with it no problem but then like okay april may june end of july hits everson's still out there and the vikings are like okay like we think we're gonna have a season everson lives here in town like maybe we can get him on a, on a vet minimum type deal. Like he's still sitting out there. He may not want to even hop on an airplane in this COVID world. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he may not want to go to another team, 
you know, so like at this point with training camp about to start, the COVID testing happening, the Vikings say, yeah, like, come on back. We'll have you back for, for the vet minimum or maybe a little bit more. Well, his camp says, no, we're not doing that. I'm told at some point the Vikings went a bit higher, but they didn't touch that Dallas offer. $3 million in base, $3 million in, in some roster bonuses. Like the Vikings didn't touch that offer, Kyle. So like to me, I think if Mike Zimmer, really wanted Everson Griffin back, Griffin yeah. would be, he would have been on the practice field today. So okay. today was technically the first day of, of training camp and, and media was allowed there. And, and we at channel five got all this video. Like we would have gotten video of Everson Griffin out there today in Egan, if the Vikings really wanted him back. So to me, is it true from what I can sense? Is it true? The Vikings made him an offer? Yes. I was even told by one person, Kyle, it was a competitive offer, but I think there's some subjectivity to what a competitive offer is. But I'm just telling you, like, I think if, if they really, really wanted him, he'd be a Viking right now. So I still think their mindset is we're okay. Like we were okay back in March. We're okay now that, that he's not here anymore. Here's my question about that. So even if we did bring him back, is he going to fit right back in, in his starting role? Or is he going to be a rotational guy like Brian Robinson did finishing out his career? Well, I mean, there's some question marks. I mean, you have Daniil Hunter on one side, and certainly Ifedio Denebo has some position flexibility where he can rush the quarterback from the inside and outside, and he'll certainly get some reps, you know, the more we get into camp on, on the outside. But, like, there's some competition there, right? Like, they like the fourth-round pick, the kid from South Carolina. I mean, he'll have a chance, you know, but, like, they don't have a lot of guys. Like, I was even told – how about this? I don't think I've thrown this out there because I don't think anything's like imminent, but like Clay Matthews' name has come up. Here. Yeah, Dom Capers. <laughs> Dom Capers connection. He's got the same representation or same agency as Everson Griffin. So when the Vikings were talking to the Griffin camp, you know, undoubtedly Matthews' name came up. Now, again, I, I am not suggesting any sort of deal is on the cusp. It, it's not, but like the Vikings, at least they're kicking the tires a little bit on, on bringing in another pass rusher. So I wouldn't necessarily dismiss that possibility, especially after the pads come on on Monday. And Kyle, you still there? My computer just I'm here. went black. Yep, we're here. Okay, good. So the pads go on on Monday. So that's when things ramp up. Like the Vikings will be able to get a little bit more film, a little bit more intel when the pads go on on Monday. But yeah, like I think if Everson had come back, Kyle, he would have gotten snaps because they just don't have a lot of known commodities there. Now, maybe the South Carolina kid turns out to be really good. Right. Or maybe the Michigan State kid who they took later in the draft. He was a Saturday pick. Maybe he's got a chance. But like it's going to be really hard for rookies to make an immediate impact, you know, after missing OTAs and minicamp and what have you. So like if Everson came back, I think he would have gotten a healthy amount of snaps. But I just know that they like the idea of Odenabo on the outside, that they have some guys that can play inside. Zimmer told us today that Shamar Steffen might be better at nose tackle you know, as they look to replace Michael Pierce. So maybe Shamar Steffen gets more snaps at nose compared to the three technique, you know, but then you've got a guy like Jaleel Johnson who they still like, you know, James Lynch, big 12 defensive player of the year. Like I think he was a steal in the fourth round. He has a chance to get some reps. At you think he's big enough? So, you think he's big yeah. enough this year? He needs to put on some size, obviously, but you, that's hard to do right now. It is. I will tell you this much. He's bigger than I thought he was when I went to his house. He's living with Ezra Cleveland, their roommates. <laughs> yeah. I went to his house yeah, a couple of weeks ago for, for something for Channel 5. And, you know, we set up the mic stand and, you know, social distancing and all that. But, but I was outside in his driveway with him. So I was able to get 
you know, a pretty good yeah. look at him, right? Like I'm 10 feet away from him. Yeah. He was bigger than I thought he was for whatever that's worth. But yeah, do I think he needs to get bigger? Yeah, for sure. He needs to get bigger. God, I hope he's a stud. I loved him in college. I hope he's a stud. We need that. And and you said you're kicking some tires, uh, thinking about a, a Clay Matthews have, have like a Ziggy Ansah or even a bigger name, Jadavian Clowney popped up at all. Have you heard any rumblings about that? I checked on Ansa again. I checked on him last week, and I checked on Owen again yesterday. Nothing. The Vikings have not inquired about Ansa. On Clowney, just the league-wide buzz continues to be that he wants more than what the Vikings can offer. The Vikings have like $12.5, $13 million in cap space. He wants more than that. So I don't see how that's going to happen. Now, at some point, like Clowney's going to have to say yes to an offer. And I don't know if those $15 million a year offers are still out there. Like the Browns, Stefanski wants him. The Browns want him, but like, are they willing to pay him at this point on August 14th? Like they were willing to pay him on July 14th. Are they willing to pay him that much money on August 14th? I don't know. I'm, I'm dubious on that, but I just don't know how the Vikings would get that deal done. Unless Clowney just says, you know what? Minnesota is on the cusp of winning the Super Bowl. That's where I want to go. I'm going to sign a one-year deal regardless of where I go because I'm going to hit the market again next March, and hopefully the world is is different, the NFL world is different, and I can hit that big payday next March. Let me just go somewhere where I can showcase my skills and for a team that has a chance to play in the biggest stage so I can get the most attention. You know, But I just don't, I don't see how that's the Vikings. Yeah, like That could either. be the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. You know, I don't know what the Chiefs situation is. I can look it up. but Or the Niners. Like the Niners actually had a little bit of interest in Everson Griffin. So would the Niners have some interest maybe in, in Clowney? They had Ansa in for, for a workout a few days ago. Like if you're Clowney, you might look at the Niners and say, they're really good. They just went to the Super Bowl. No reason to think that they're going to, you know, take a step back. Like the Niners should be really good. So I wonder if in the end he does something like that. Because at this point, he hasn't taken one of these big money offers. But I just, you know, to answer your question, I just don't see how he ends up here in Minnesota. I really don't. I honestly don't even know if he'll play this year. With everything going on, I could see him sitting out for a year and then coming back next year and saying, all right, I'm ready to go when everything's kind of figured out with COVID. Maybe, although, I mean, that's still pretty good money. Like, wherever he ends up, it's going to be millions upon millions of dollars. I don't care how much money he's already made. Mm -hmm. guys just don't turn down that sort of money <laughs> with such a tiny window, right? Like you only have so much, so much of an opportunity to, to really maximize your earnings as a professional football player. I guess I would be surprised if he completely sat out the year. Yeah. I, I just, last I heard he was saying, uh, he was turning down $18 million offers because he wanted 20. And that to me was, I mean, is that his crazy. agent though? Is, is that bus cook? Yeah. He used to represent Brett Favre and bus has been around bus knows what he's doing, but is that bus leaking that when it's not necessarily true? Like I have a hard time believing he was offered 18 million a year and said, no, call yeah. me nuts. Yeah. But like, I, I think he would have said yes to that sort of offer. That'd been, that'd been some nice ka-ching. Do you have any insight uh, with the cornerbacks right now, I mean, is Mike Hughes going to kind of do what the Captain Munderland deal is, kind of play slot when we're in nickel and then play uh, outside when we're in regular defenses? How, how is that all going to play out? Do we know who's going to be the other two corners? No, we don't. I'd love Nothing. to tell you that I have every answer, but I, I don't, Kyle. I can tell you that Gladney sat out practice today, but it's a minor injury. He should be back here in the coming days. They're off tomorrow, but hopefully by Sunday when they're back on the field Sunday. 
Jeff Gladney is out there, the first-round pick. I think he's going to end up earning some snaps. Yeah, they still have high hopes for Mike Hughes, former first-round pick, so I think Mike's going to have a chance to earn some snaps. You know, but Holton Hill will have a chance. Heck, Chris Boyd is a guy they like. He was a rookie last year, second-year guy. Like, don't sleep on him. Cam Dantzler is bigger than I thought he was. I just saw some video of Dantzler. Yeah, so, you know, they got a bunch of guys, and I still wouldn't dismiss, like we're talking about, you know, maybe bringing in a pass rusher, a veteran pass rusher. Like, they're bringing in a safety, this former Texan, for a workout on Monday. They claimed a safety off waivers from the Dolphins today, this kid Parker. Like, could they bring in a Drake Kirkpatrick or somebody after they see what they have in pads? I wouldn't. I wouldn't dismiss that possibility of them eventually bringing in a veteran defensive back. And I, I, I mean, you have to bring in somebody that obviously knew his system. You can't just bring out, I don't know if a Logan Ryan would pick it up quick enough. Maybe you could have a slot guy like that, but, but I mean, Dre obviously has. Kyle, he wants to play safety. And, (laughs) And I won't claim that to be my own information that he did an interview at the NFL network the other day where he's like, I'm, I'm, Tyron I'm Tyron, yeah, I'm the honey <laughs> Oh, no, we lost you again, dude. And I'm like, are you really, Logan? I don't think so, but he <laughs> thinks he's a safety. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know why he's, he's throwing that out there. Maybe I froze up again, didn't I, Kyle? For a second you did, but you're back. All right, good. It says my internet connection is unstable, but it's been pretty good for the most part for this conversation. Yeah, I'm is it okay it. now. It's good. Okay, it's good. 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 I, I good. don't know why he's claiming the safety deal, but I mean, like I said, Zimmer's defense is a very complicated defense. You have to bring somebody in that actually knows the system. And Drake Kirkpatrick actually played for Zim, so I, that that's another one that connects the dots. I could see it. I don't know though. He he brought in that Georgia Loca that that one year, and that guy did nothing for us. So I don't know. Yeah, now Loca, if you talk to him, or maybe at least talk to him on background. He'll tell you he's still pissed off about how that situation unfolded. But, yeah, I mean, you're right. So, for Dantzler and for Gladney, it's going to be hard. So, like, maybe you see Holton Hill and Chris Boyd and the Fields kid who was here last year. And, you know, you see those guys. You know, Hughes, Hill, Boyd, Fields. You know, and it might take a little bit for Gladney and Dantzler to see the field. And by the time they figure it out, we might not even have a season. You never know. Well, and think about it. Like, okay, you've got Green Bay on September 13th. It's a meaty schedule early. I, you might have it in yeah. front of you. I, I just remember the first game against Aaron Rodgers. You know, so, like, you're seeing some pretty good quarterbacks early. That's not exactly the time for these rookies to be learning on the fly. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, you know, another one that we wanted to ask since the new CBA has kind of eliminated holdouts and cooks come out today, he actually came out today saying he wasn't going to do that regardless, even though his agent was saying different things. Um, what's going on there. Are we going to get him paid before the season starts? Is this going to be a whole year long deal? I was on that zoom call today. I think Dalvin handled himself really, really well. Now as somebody in the media, like say something controversial. I want the headline. You know, I want that. He didn't provide that to us, but he provided us enough material to work with where he didn't literally say nothing. He just, he was schooled on what to say today, but you wouldn't have known that. Like we were just firing him question after question. We didn't have to submit questions ahead of time or anything like that. Sometimes we've had to do that in other Zoom type press conference situations the last few months. In this particular instance, we didn't have to supply questions ahead of time. 
he was just up on the screen, and a few of us were just peppering him question after question. And I thought he handled himself brilliantly. So credit to him. I think a deal eventually gets done. The way he talked today, Kyle, I think reading between the lines, he's optimistic that something is going to happen sooner rather than later. I can't tell you what exactly the money will look like. Is it the Derrick Henry contract? Is it a little bit more, a little bit less? Is it the David Johnson contract from a couple years ago? It's not going to be the Christian McCaffrey contract, but those would be two to look at, the Johnson contract and the Henry contract. I just get the sense that it's when, not if. Like I told you, when, not if on on Glenn Taylor selling the Wolves and Lynx, it's when, not if the Vikings sign Cook to an extension. And, you know, for me, uh, as a fan of the player, I want to see him get paid, and I want him to see him get as much money as he possibly can get. But me as a realist about the Vikings, is that going to ultimately be their demise, committing that much money to the running back? The way that offense is run, Gary Kubiak's offense, it relies heavily on on the running back. It's a run-first offense when a lot of offenses are pass-first. That being said, if you look at Kubiak's history, which is lengthy, you know, there's been some running backs have been great yeah, backs for him. <laughs> that have been great backs for him, right? You know, like, I would say this much. If I were running an NFL front office, I would not pay a running back big-time money. I just wouldn't. But I also don't think I'd be running this particular offense. So, yeah. like, to me, the Vikings having any success this year, let's all hope there's some semblance of a season, the Vikings having any sort of success this year, like, it starts with Dalvin. You can talk all you want about the quarterback and Kirk making all that money, and, yeah, that's true. And he's going to have to make some throws at some different points. But, like, to me, for the Vikings to have a successful offense this year, it starts with Dalvin. Like, to me, it's not Kirk Cousins. Dalvin Cook is the face of that offense. So the way they have things structured, I get it. You know, I think they probably need to pay him. But I'm just telling you, my overall philosophy is I would not pay any running back big-time money. I, I think you're right. I think this, the way that everything's set up, I, th- I honestly think they need to change the pay scale for running backs because it, it's not set up for them. All the rookie pay scales is to screw the running backs. Oh, and yeah. You, and, yeah. yeah, you talk to agents of running backs. Trust me, Dalvin's agent represents uh, Dobbins, the kid from Ohio State that's now a Baltimore Raven. So he's got a couple running backs, right? Yeah. Like, and you talk to, to a lot of agents that represent these running backs, they'd love – for for the the market to to be reset in some form or fashion well even beyond that they got to figure out a way to give them money based on how they play at an earlier like a like a scale so if you reach a certain mark you actually get this bump so you can get the money while you're actually able to play i mean by the time a lot of these guys get to their second contract they're done you know their knees are something they're just not the same player anymore which is unfair so maybe you shouldn't have to wait until you know especially if you're a first round pick like not have to wait five years to really hit the payday because if a team wants to pick up that fifth year option, they don't need to negotiate necessarily any time beforehand, maybe in good faith they would, but they don't have to, if they have five years of control of you, you know, and in Dalvin's case as a second round pick four years of control, but yeah, it's such a short shelf life for, for so many of these running backs. I'm with you. Like Dalvin did enough in his second year where you could have made a case that, that redo the contract then like what he made last year was, was too little, you know, then heading into this year that something automatically would have triggered based on his success. I don't know what that formula would be, but like, I think all of us agree. It's completely unfair. You know, we would all take that money, but 
it's completely unfair that Dalvin is is set to make less than $1.4 million this year. Mm-hmm. That he's like the 38th highest paid running back in the NFL. I think we all agree that's absurd. Heck, the Vikings agree that yeah. that's absurd. But the Vikings also don't want to give him $16 million a year. There's got to be the escalators, though, at some sort of form so where you could keep a player of that stature happy. Because you don't, obviously the team loves him, you know, and they want to take care of him. They don't want to take care of him Christian McCaffrey money, but they wish they probably could have spread it out over those four years. You know what I'm saying? Well, Which I mean, the Vikings, yeah, I mean, they made him an offer. I mean, the offer they made him going back months was less than what Melvin Gordon got in Denver, which was two yeah. years, 16 million, 16 and a half. It was, it was like right in that ballpark. So, I mean, the Vikings made an offer that they felt like, hey, that's, that's okay money. Take it if you want. You know, but clearly, you know, him and his agent said, yeah, uh, no, thank you. No. <laughs> like, are you bleeping serious? Uh, you know, but the Vikings tried. But at, at some point, Rob Rosinski will up that offer. It's Rob doing the, the negotiating. Rob will talk to Dalvin's agent. And at some point here, he's going to up the offer. The question is, how high does that offer go up to? Is it $12 million a year, $11 million a year, $10.5 million a year? But I think at some point, the two sides come to a happy medium. You know, here's the other thing. Another rookie I want to talk to you about. Are we going to see Justin Jefferson starting this year? Is he going to figure it out? I think he'll start in the slot. So I think he's going to be. I mean, he played predominantly in the slot at LSU last year. Like, I see him as as the number one slot guy. You know, Diggs had a lot of snaps last year in the slot. So imagine Jefferson getting a lot of those snaps. Now, Thielen can play in the slot, too. But I think Adam's going to end up getting a majority of his snaps on the outside. Not 100%. You know, at some point, I think they'll figure out a way to line up Adam inside, you know, to dictate matchups. But, yeah, I mean, I think Justin's going to be on the field a bunch, and you'll see him out of the slot, you know, I think about 90% of the time, if not more. I'm really curious to see how Adam performs without getting uh, without getting that, that help from Diggs being on the other side. You know what I'm saying? To, to see if he's still going to get the same kind of looks or if he's going to be double teamed and we're going to see his numbers decline or, or what's going to happen there. Because, I mean, he – We'll see. I don't worry about Adam. Maybe it's my bias showing. Like, I was at Woodbury High School for a workout that Adam put together. It was him and Alexander Madison and Ezra Cleveland was there and Tyler Johnson was there, Blake Cashman. A bunch of NFL players were at Woodbury High School on this Tuesday morning in mid-June. And just to see in mid-June how hard Adam was working and knowing his trainer really well, Ryan Engelbert of ETS, that's Adam's guy, and I've known Ryan for years and I I've seen Ryan put Adam through workouts going back years and Adam still has that chip on his shoulder Kyle he just does even with the nice contract now and he's been to to the Pro Bowl he still has that chip on his shoulder that that he was doubted going back many years that that heck in this day and age right now and Adam Thielen doesn't make a practice squad doesn't have a chance to make a 53-man roster right with 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 no you know pro day you know, and no OTA and rookie mini camp and mini camp. Like, imagine Adam Thielen seven years ago, eight years ago. Now, like Adam wouldn't yeah, make right. the Vikings, right? But I just sense he's he's still got that chip on his shoulder that he uses that as a motivating factor. So I still think the skill set is there. I was watching him get in and out of breaks that June morning at Woodbury, and just mm-hmm. to see him get in and out of breaks, and the hands are still good. Like I think Adam is. Put it this way, when, when you're ranking, you know, worries with the Vikings this year, Adam Thielen isn't among my top 10 or 15. He's just not. 
Love it. That's great news. Hope he keeps killing it. The the Mankato great. Um, is there any insight about the Big Ten committee and why they couldn't make things safe enough for the players to have a season? I do think that Kevin Warren needs to be more tra- transparent. Like the Pac-12 laid out just about everything. The Big Ten and the Pac-12 made the same decision, right? Mm-hmm. We have all this information about why the Pac-12 made their decision. There's still a lot of people baffled. I mean, I was going back and forth with, I won't say who, but but the parent of, of a running back. How about that on the Gophers? And I talked to Omar Douglas the other day, who's Demetrius Douglas, Demetrius' dad. Gopher great. You know, and I talked to Daryl Thompson. His son, True, is, is a redshirt senior wide receiver for the Gophers. Like, to a man, these three dads still have a bunch of questions. They appreciate P.J. Flex leadership. You know, they feel like the Gopher program as a whole has been incredibly transparent, but they're still looking for a little bit more guidance from the Big Ten as a whole. So mm-hmm. I just hope at some point, knowing Kevin a little bit, I think Kevin will will supply those answers. I just don't know when, but I look forward to that day because I'd still like to see the exact numbers that they used, the data, the science that they used to come to that conclusion as soon as they did. Okay. Well, Duke, we had a, a great time having you on. Thank you for the insight. We'd love to have you back whenever you want to come back. Thank Anytime, you, Kyle. Yeah, and I'm getting Zoomed out, so, like, at some point, we can do it in studio, you know, as long as there's a little bit of separation, whatever it might be. You know, you want to do it here sometime in September after, you know, me on my home front with my wife, we figure out, you know, get into a groove with, with some of the homeschooling, although the kids are going to go to school a little bit. But, like, once I'm in a groove in September, life's sort of back to normal. Let's do this in studio. Love it. Love it. We'd love to have you on, man. We'd love to make it a weekly thing. That'd be phenomenal. If we can make it work, yeah. I mean, weekly, I don't know about in studio. We can do this weekly if you want, potentially. But, yeah, let's let's definitely next time do it in studio. Q, good to connect. Certainly. Thank you. You got Thanks, it. Dude. All right. Talk to you, you later. Got it, Kyle. Absolutely. You too. Enjoy the weekend, Kyle.